Not because I'm up here, incidentally. I just want you to know, I want to clear all that up for you. But I got very, very excited because we have a brand new Valley Christian member who has entered the building. And it's not the guy with no beard now. They're Jonathan. But Jonathan and Kiko are here today, and they brought their new baby. And could you guys just introduce... From back there, just introduce to us the new member. Will you do that? There. <laughs> Amen. Yes. Thank you, Lord. So now that I've done that, that children can go to their classes, wherever that may be. Uh, you can see this. You can read three years, kindergarten, classroom, first through fifth in the ark, sixth through eighth in the ark. So I am so thankful. So thankful for you, so thankful for this day, and um, praise God, I'm, I'm excited. This is, a, this is a great and awesome day, and that's not a great and awesome day because of a football game that's going to be played. Honestly, I mean, it'll be fun, but that's not the highlight. The highlight is just being together here today, so we praise God for that. So... Um, So Doug and I have been taking a journey through the book of Nehemiah with you. What's that? Oh, that's weird. I don't know. Anyway, so we've been enjoying the study with you. Well, anyway, we truly hope that you've been enjoying the study of the book of Nehemiah together. We hope you're enjoying it as well. So. <coughs> wow. Anyway, today, I do want to share how we can refuse distractions. Hey, did you see this? <laughs> this is pretty cool. Look, <laughs> look right here. Hey, man, awesome. read that. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> well, that could be classified as some distractions. And it's so true that in our walk with the Lord, uh, there's lots of distractions. And as we look into the, the building of the wall uh, of Jerusalem that Nehemiah had undertaken and all the people, we're also looking how can we build, rebuild the walls in our own lives. So I want to talk to you about that for a few minutes today. And today the specific target is being able to refuse distractions because we all know they are there. A lot of those distractions, maybe most of them, 
comes from the enemy. So we see in the, we're going to, uh, we're going to be going through the sixth chapter of Nehemiah, but we're starting in the fourth chapter of Nehemiah. And relax, we're not going to do four, five, and six. I just want to start there. Look at uh, Nehemiah, the fourth chapter. So it came about that when Sanballat had heard that we were rebuilding the wall, and that's what Nehemiah's done. He's gone. They were rebuilding the city that's been torn down and devastated by the enemy. So Sanballat heard that they were rebuilding the wall, and he became furious and angry and mocked the Jews. And he spoke in the presence of his brothers and the wealthy men of Samaria. And he says, what are these feeble Jews doing? Are they going to restore the city for themselves? Can they offer sacrifices? Can they finish in a day? Can they revive the stones from the dusty rubble, even the burned ones? Now, Tobiah, that's Sanballat's partner in crime, the Ammonite was near him and said, even what they are building, if a fox should jump on it, it would break, break it down. So, when we talk about refusing distractions, I want you to know this, that if you are a believer, that you believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, and you are walking with him, your heart is to please him, your heart is to walk with him, if your heart is to be the person that God has called you to be, get ready because it's coming. The enemy, we don't talk a lot about the enemy here because I don't want to give him any credit. But I'll tell you what, the enemy is real, Satan is real, the devil is real, demons are real, and they are going to come after every single believer. I'm going to back that up here in, with Scripture, but other Scriptures. In John 10, we see the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but Jesus came that we might have life and have it more abundantly. And in Matthew, the 16th chapter, we see, again, Satan using Peter to, to try to distract Jesus. Watch. And Peter took Jesus aside and began to rebuke him. Jesus has just said, hey, I'm going to go suffer. I'm going to die. And he said, God forbid it, Lord. This shall never happen to you. But he turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan, for you are a stumbling block to me, for you are not setting your mind on God's interest, but on man's. Every great man and woman of God throughout history who have intended and desired to follow God has encountered the enemy. He's going to come. And I know that as I say these words, some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. Some of you know you've experienced the attack of the enemy, and it's coming. This church has experienced the attack of the enemy different ways. You look at David. I mean, how many think David, King David, was pretty awesome? Was he pretty, pretty good? No, I'm telling you, let me tell you, he was an awesome man. In fact, the scripture says he was a man after God's own, own heart. I would love that to be said of me. So David was attacked and, by the enemy. The enemy tried to divert him. He ran for his life from King Saul for a long time. Not only that, but he fell when he entered into a 
relationship with Bathsheba, and not only that, had Bathsheba's husband killed. That's pretty, that's pretty bad, but you know what? King David was a man after God's own heart. You look at Moses. Right at the beginning of Moses' uh, call to lead the people out of Egypt, right then, he, he, people saw him. He saw one of the slave owners picking on uh, some of the Jewish people, and he... He killed him and then covered him over. Look, nobody saw that. Shh. But somebody saw it. So the enemy tried to destroy David and Moses. He tried to stop Jesus. Abraham. Jesus, after he was baptized, immediately was driven, compelled to go into the wilderness. So he's out wandering around the wilderness. What happened there? After he fasted for a while, for a long time, what happened? The enemy shows up and said, hey, you're hungry. Turn that rock into bread. Hey, throw yourself down off the pinnacle because God will protect you. And every time, Jesus answers with Scripture. And finally, the enemy offers him everything. I'll give this all to you if you just bow down and worship me. Every great man and woman of God, including the Lord Jesus himself, was, a, was confronted by the enemy to try and divert what God had called him to. Now, listen to me, because I say all those names, you go, oh, yeah, they're pretty awesome but the enemy has come to every one of you at some point, at some time, to try and stop you from what God wants. When I was young, before I even came to the Lord, the enemy tried to kill me by doing stupid things, drugs, alcohol, all that stuff. But the enemy tries different tactics. He doesn't just tempt in the manner that he did the people I just talked to, talked about, but he also attacks us with thoughts like, I'm worthless. I'm a pile of nothing. I am not worthy. God's mad at me. How He won't forgive me. How can God forgive me? He can't forgive me. I'm too rotten. I won't ask for a show of hands, but you tell me if the enemy hasn't whispered those kind of words in your ear. Or he'll throw a roadblock up in between you and God. In relationships, and he'll use different people. Now, the enemy just doesn't come out of thin air. He uses people. So in this instance, Sanballat uh, was a uh, governor. Uh, he was a public figure. And as Doug said a few weeks ago, and so the enemy was using 
the world to come against the Jewish people. Also, the enemy was using somebody who was kind of in, Tobiah. Tobiah had, for, for political purposes, had married into the nation, and his son had married the daughter of one of the priests. So he was in. He did it for purely political reasons. And these are the people that were coming against the building of the wall in Jerusalem. So many of you are trying to rebuild your own wall in your own life. And the enemy's going to come every time. Every time. And he's going to make you, try to make you stop. I'll get to what Nehemiah ended up doing in just a minute. Because it's pretty awesome. But I first want to tell you, not only does the enemy come, he doesn't stop. He just keeps coming. I've experienced this. See, have you experienced this? Okay. So the enemy comes. He attacks me. I got victory. Praise God. I've, I've arrived. Boom, he comes again. Boom, he comes again. Boom, he comes again. And it's just those fiery darts. Pop, 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 pop. And even when I pray, sometimes the enemy comes and puts me in a mental and an emotional place, if I let him, where I'm not very effective. I'm telling you that when we begin to rebuild walls for the kingdom of God, when we begin to rebuild what God has called us to rebuild in our own lives, in the life of the church, the enemy's going to come, and he's going to keep on coming. He'll do it through negativity. He'll do it through hurt, anger. But I'm just giving you a warning in the fourth verse, sixth chapter. This is what happens with Nehemiah. And they sent messages to me four times in this manner. And I answered them in the same way. They kept on coming and saying, you, you, you're just going to fail. Why are you even doing this? You're wasting your time. Ooh, how many hear that? You're wasting your time. Ooh. Then Sanballat sent his servant to me in the same manner a fifth time with an open letter in his hand. We'll get to the letter in a minute. But the enemy keeps coming. And in First Peter, we see, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you at the proper time, casting all your anxiety upon him because he cares for you. Be of sober spirit, be on the alert. Your adversary, the devil, prowls about like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. But resist him. And we'll get to what that means. Firm in your faith, knowing that the same experiences of suffering are being accomplished by your brethren who are in the world. Somebody said, well, um, the enemy attacks. Why does God let the enemy attack? That's our question. Why does that happen, Lord? I'm trying to serve you. Why does that happen? I don't have a lot of time to go into it, but I can tell you that through those experiences, you're going to grow. You're going to become stronger. So I used to coach football. And, uh, in fact, I coached with a great, one great coach named uh, George Grace, a good friend of mine. 
Anyway, coached football for about 20 years. And one of the things we did is we would run, we'd do sprints. We'd run to the, not we, when I say we, I mean they. And so we'd run to the pole and back, which was clear across about 100 yards and back. And if anybody didn't run their best or try their best, another pole. One day we did 17 poles. <laughs> I'm not kidding you. I almost feel bad about it, but nah. Or we do sprints. Why? So we can get shape. Was that fun for the, for the team? No. It was a marvelous thing that they kept on playing football. But we'd work out. We'd learn the plays. We'd, we'd come up and we'd learn how to tackle. We'd learn how to hit. But it all was a process. And it took some, some of the practices, I was so, they were so tired that I was tired. <laughs> but it's something we had to do. Listen. Well, when the enemy comes, and he comes in like a flood, but God will raise up a standard. Listen, when the enemy comes, it's so we, one of the things is so we can grow strong in the Lord. It's so we can learn how to battle. And the thing is, the enemy doesn't always attack you where you're weak. See, we think, well, where I'm weak. No, the enemy will attack you, and he'll attack you even in your strengths. And that's why we need the full armor of God, the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, the helmet of salvation, the shoes to plant our feet in the truth of the gospel of peace, the shield of faith, and the sword of the spirit. We need that all the time in our lives. Because we by ourselves are no match for the enemy. Because it's going to keep on coming. And sometimes you're weary of the fight Sometimes I get weary of the fight, but when I do, I have somebody pray with me. I talk to, I fellowship. This is so invigorating, so exciting to me, because I can be with you. And when I go, I'm so built up. I'm built up when I hear us sing. I'm built up when I hear us, when we give together, when we have communion together. I'm just built up because of you. That's what we do. We encourage each other because we're in a battle. We're in a battle. Everybody say, we're in a battle. Say it. We're in a battle. And we are. I love the last part of this. Verse 10 says, and after you suffered a little while, the God of all grace who called you to his eternal glory in Christ Jesus will himself perfect Confirm, strengthen, and establish you. To him be dominion forever and ever. I love, I was really, the God of all grace who called you to his eternal gl glory will himself, God himself right now is working in you to perfect, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. That's what God does. Now, I love this because this is, uh, this is where I was trying to get. How do you refuse distractions? What do you do? And I think this is a great lesson. And I, there are New Testament scriptures as well, but I love what Nehemiah did. In verse 6, chapter 6, now it came about when it was reported to Sanballat and Tobiah 
to Geshem the Arab. That's another scoundrel. And to, the, and to the rest of our enemies that I had rebuilt the wall and that no breach remained in it. And although at that time I had not set the doors and the gates, that Sanballat and Geshem sent a message and said, come, let us meet together in, in the plain at Ono. But they were planning to harm me. So I sent messengers to them. <laughs> I love this. I love this. Listen to what he says. I sent, uh, I sent him a message saying, I'm doing a great work, and I can't come down. Why should the work stop while I leave it to come to you? I don't have time for you. I just don't have time for you. Get out of here. This lady used to be in our church. Um, Mom Evelyn, sweet, dear saint, she's with Jesus now. I remember what she used to say. She, um, she used to have a chair for the, for the enemy. She was a prayer warrior. She didn't back down from nobody. And believe me, when I talked to her, I talked to her with great respect. She was worthy of the great respect. And, the, and she'd tell the enemy to sit down and shut up. You sit down and shut up. And I'm telling you right now, you go back to your hot rocks. I don't have time for you. That's what she used to do. I, I said, man, I want to get with you. I'm going to be on your side, though. <laughs> and let's do that together. You get out of here. Leave me alone. I don't have time for you. Get away. I've shared this before. I, I, I looked it up again this week. There's a great, great preacher named Smith Wigglesworth. I guess you'd have to be a preacher with that name. You wouldn't go far in the business world. And he's a great, I'm just a great man. The guy spent incredible amounts of time in prayer. In fact, uh, his knees got really bad. And they were trying to find out what was wrong with his knees. And they found a place over in a corner where this chair was. And they found two imprints of his knees in front of this chair. The guy was a prayer warrior. He wasn't messing around. And God used him in such a mighty way so many people came to the Lord through his ministry. And they were having a great revival meeting and he would preach for literally hours. Now, if he was up here, you guys wouldn't be leaving until about five o'clock tonight. But it was so incredible. But I'll be done before that. And one of the people he shared, one night, they were, he was just exhausted. He and his team and they all... Went to bed at night. And he laid down, just exhausted. He was about ready to, he was, got to sleep. About a, half an hour later, here's this big ruckus. Big ruckus in his room. So I've never had this kind of experience, but I'll tell you what, if I did, I, I don't know if I could quite respond like Smith did. So Smith Wigglesworth wakes up looks at the foot of his bed, and it's some manifestation of a demon, 
of some kind, or Satan, I don't know. Now I want you to think what you would do in that situation. I'm sorry. I know I don't have to fear because I have Jesus. I know Jesus, the name of Jesus is stronger. This is what he did. Oh, it's only you. And he turned around, turned over, and went back to sleep. I don't have time for you. I don't have time for you. Just, you know, whatever. The enemy, I don't know, if, I don't want the enemy to, I don't want to see the enemy visibly, but I know the enemies are there. And there's been times when that presence seems strong. But I'm so grateful. Because regardless of what I see or what I don't see, regardless of what you see or what you don't see, there's one thing we know for sure. Absolutely, positively, because his word is truth. His word is truth. Here's the great revelation. This is the good news. God wins. I said God wins. They come to the tomb so that they can put spices, so they can attend to the body of Jesus. But when they get there, he's gone. So they're looking around him all frantic for him. They're all frantic. And then the angel says, what are you looking for? He's not here. He's risen. That's the good news. Folks, he is risen. We will rise with him because of his grace, because of his mercy, because of his love, because of what he did. Not because of who I am, but because of who he is. Not because of what I did, because of what he did. And we all get to go and be raised with Jesus. The good news today is God wins. Regardless of how the enemy comes against you, regardless of how he continually comes after you, God wins. Say that. God wins. Let's stand and pray. I'm going to pray, but before I pray, i got to do an announcement. It has nothing to do with what we're talking about. Uh, kind of, because we're going to have more fellowship. They've got some goodies back there that were left over from last night. And believe Believe me, they were really, really, really good. So back there. So grab something, fellowship together. Um, let's pray. Will you just repeat this prayer after me? Would you mind doing that, please? I just want you to say, thank you, Lord Jesus, that you have given us victory. We are so thankful that you have won. Teach us, Jesus, to just ignore the enemy and keep our eyes fixed on you. Yes, Lord, we want to keep our eyes. We want to throw off every encumbrance and the sin that so easily entangles.
and run with endurance a race set before us, fixing our eyes on Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Amen.